Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Sometimes there are seasons where we have to make sure that we put down the flesh so that the spirit can thrive. Where the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weakened. So the flesh needs to be brought into submission, which brings us to this that you got handed at the door, uh, prayer and fasting. And for those of you who are new to Victory, Victory Churches internationally, we always set aside time at the beginning of the new year to fast and pray um, as a congregation and as a fellowship of congregations around the world. Every year it's a little bit different what we do, um, how, you know, length of time, what it is we're fasting. Sometimes we're a little bit more rigid with it than others. Um, in our church, and especially over the last few years, we've had a lot of seeking God in different ways. And so for some of you, you're like, doesn't she do one of these every week and every month or something? No, but we have done a couple per year. Um, we are, you know, really believe in a fasted lifestyle, in seeking God. Whenever there's dullness, we need to like lean into the voice of God. But for this year, um, what we're going to do is leave you with this paper. And so if you didn't get one on the way in, grab one on the way out. And there's just a bit of a guideline in there, some breakdowns of scriptures of why we fast, some different types of fast that we do. There's a recommendation for a couple of books that might be helpful for you, Praying God's Word or Fasting for Breakthrough and Revival. I believe we have those at the book table. But what we are going to do as a church is focus on from next Sunday to the following Sunday. And during that week, um, on the back of your... Yeah, I think it's on the back and we've got it on the screen there. Um, there is going to be a live Facebook thing every lunchtime where people from Victory Churches internationally will tune in and there's going to be somebody leading in prayer over the lunch hour all that week, which is super fun. And so we can pray together. We can see what God is saying together prophetically. And we will just leave it to you to decide whether you want to do, you know, the full 21 days. If you feel God's leading you to 10 days, three days, um, whatever he's leading you to do of it. It's like fasting media, it's fasting completely and just do water fast. Um, some people feel like that's, if they have a physical job, that's like almost impossible. And so doing, you know, even like uh, protein-based liquids, um, you know, a veggie diet. I personally usually have to go to straight liquid. Um, one of the years we did a 40-day veggie fast and I'm a creative, so I don't cook much, but um, man, I can't just eat like celery sticks. So um, I, like, I got really good at it and it was started to like taste really good. And I was thinking all day about what vegetarian meal I could make for the night. And I'm like, now we've defeated the purpose. I'm now thinking all day about food actually. And so I just, I just can't. So whatever it is for you, but particularly that week, let's look at that week together, what it is that God wants us to do. I would highly recommend just turn off media, period. Like for whatever length of time that is, you don't want other voices speaking in. You don't want the clutter. You don't want to have to deal with other people's garbage. You just want to zone in to the voice of God. And you will probably feel bored for a day or two. You're probably going to sit down and be like, oh my goodness, I'm left with my own thoughts. It's terrifying. You know, but you'll get over it. Pressing past that in the still small voice, you hear the voice of God. And so just want to encourage you with that. We will um, have this available here. If you have any questions, you can call the office this week. But I want to encourage you. Let's spend some time just seeking the Lord together. If you are on Facebook, um, you obviously can watch it a little bit later. If you are working during lunchtime, so you can watch it later in the day. And we'll see about if there's any way we can just share it to our app. Because I know a lot of you are not on Facebook or would prefer not to be. I know, wise choice. Um, but <laughs> we'll make sure you get it, and we're going to seek the Lord with our victory family.
But today, as we go into this new year, um, uh, Jonathan spoke about, you know, f leaning in for what it is that God is saying, crucifying the flesh a little bit, letting the spirit live. Pastor George talked about letting your Lazarus out and releasing what's going on there. And what I have um, from the Lord, I feel is very similar. And so honestly, um, Pastor George said, if this word is for you, take it. I feel like for all of us, there is something new that we are meant to step into. It's actually like it's, it would be exclusionary almost to, to just say it's like just for you, just for you, just for you. I believe that God is saying it is a new time. You're going to have to engage. You're, you're going to have to engage. And for some people, that's going to be a big thing. Some people, it's just simple obedience. For some people, it's just learning to lean in with some discipline into the stuff that God already has you doing. And so we're going to press into that. Um, the, the title for today's message is The Divine Dance. The divine dance, and this is a very specific um, phrase for me, and I'll, I'll speak into it a little bit as we go along. But when I, when I say the divine dance, what I see is like a two-person dance, like a waltz or like a, you know, um, a, a thing where there is a coming together and there is a moving as one. And I believe God is calling us into this place where we are moving with him and there's a flow and there's a beauty to it that isn't just one or the other. It's not just what we do right. And it's not just what God does. It's what God wants to do with us. And so there is a partnership. There's a divine dance that we come into. And the Bible talks about um, one tiny little verse um, about the sons of Issachar. And so in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, there's this group of guys that, that come and they join David and they're described as, as this um, group of people who had understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. They didn't just know what their tribe should do. They knew what Israel ought to do. So they had understanding of the times. They knew the season that they were in. They knew what God was doing right then. And because they knew what God was doing, God gave them wisdom for the broader obedience. And I believe that the season that we've stepped into, you know, honestly, nationally and internationally, it's a terrifying time. Like we all, we all know that, right? We all know that the things that are being declared, the things that are happening, decisions that are being made, um, economies, all of this stuff, it is, it is a terrifying time. And if we get caught up in that at all, we will lose all heart. We will lose all ability to move forward. However, like the sons of Issachar, they had understanding of the times and they knew what Israel should do. And the fact is there is something that the people of God do no matter what. It's walking with him. It's coming through the hard times. It doesn't mean that we, we don't experience what's going on around us, but we have a different outcome and we have different processes and God gives different instructions and guidance and counsels. There are answers that are going to come out of the body of Christ that I believe the world is desperate to hear. I think there's solutions, there's strategies, there's inventions, there's things that will come out of prayer. It will be drawn from the kingdom and released upon the earth because God's kids are paying attention. And we have examples of people like Isaac, uh, who, who sowed in a time of famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. How does that happen? In a time of famine, others were starving, and he had this bountiful bumper crop in the midst of it. There are times when God will bless out of the obedience, into the obedience, sorry, and it will release something that others can benefit from. It's like... Uh, um, 
When we look at the story of Joseph, the entire earth was struggling, the entire earth was in famine, but Joseph had the word from the Lord ahead of time and had prepared, and he was able to be a blessing and release sustenance and provision for the entire uh, uh, world that was around them at that time. People came and they looked for what he had already been prepared for. What I'm saying as we go into this today is there is a bigger picture that we need to be aware of that we are part of. It's not just about you. It's not just about your household. It's not just about your marriage. It's not just about your kids. There is big stuff happening nationally and internationally. There is crisis after crisis after crisis, and I believe it's going to increase. And I believe because of that, the church is more and more and more required to rise up and be different. It is a time where the light is meant to shine. And I don't just mean sharing the gospel, the good news of salvation. I mean, even in practical means. The church will not be looking for a handout. The church will be handing out. There's a difference. There's a, there's a crossover. When we believe, God, here's a problem. It's on my heart. What is the solution? And we lean in for the wisdom for that solution. And so one of the things that I saw as I've been praying over the, uh, this new year and this new season is a weigh scale. You know those old ones with like the scales of justice kind of thing? And um, what I saw was that there was these these um, little blocks on either side. And last week, Pastor Brad talked about the black and white, which is interesting, but one side was black and one side was white. And there were these little blocks that were being set on the scales. And it was so full, they were so full that the tiniest little extra block on one side would tip the scales. And I felt like there's a weightiness to this season that what we do is going to be more extreme than it normally would be. That the outcome will have a, there will be a greater effect or a greater outcome based on what we do because of the fullness of time that we're in. The scales are quite uh, loaded. There's things that are going on. And if the church does not rise up and take her place, I believe the scales will tip in a different direction and the outcome of, of what it is we're experiencing nationally and globally will go a different direction than maybe God intends for it to go. There will be, we know that there's an increase of darkness across the earth as the end times advances. We also know that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the water covers the sea, right? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So there's meant to be a balance that happens in there where there is always a voice from God in the earth and it's on us to step into that. So as we walk into this, we need to understand that we are designed, we talked briefly last week, there was a couple little hints towards this, about walking with God, not just walking for God or in front of God, beside God, talking about God, but walking with God, that partnership that happens with him. And John 15, 18 to 19 says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but you're not. You're not of the world. That's why there's going to be some struggles. John 17, 14 to 15. This is Jesus praying. And he says, I've given them your word. And the word, world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. This prayer of Jesus is super important. This is where we get the phrase that we're in the world, but not of it. We're in it, but we're not created from that space. Jesus said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. 
In other words, even though it might be looking really messy out there, even though it might be looking scary, even though we're hearing things about the economy and we're hearing things about, you know, global breakdown and this and this and this, God is not desiring to just whip us out of it and rescue us from any suffering. It's in the midst of it. He protects us from the evil one and we have an assignment. So as long as we're looking for, I'm uncomfortable and I just want to get out of here, we have the possibility of missing what it is that God is intending for us to do. And the balance can tip in the wrong direction. But God has a plan and you're part of it. So when we, we say things like, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it, what we're really talking about is our source of origin, where my supply comes from, where my direction comes from, where my focus from, comes from, where my hope comes from. I am in this world. I'm not absorbed by it. I'm not moved by it. I'm not afflicted by it. I'm not pressed down by it. I can actually believe that I can have a different outcome because I'm from somewhere else, which is available to everybody. It's available to anyone who says yes to Jesus, right? We realize that we're not from here. We're from God. And if we're from God, but we're here, then we have purpose. Are you, are you still with me? So the concept is if we're going into this new year and it's, it's a, you know, deal with the flesh so that the spirit can rise up. If it's a do what you have to, to move the stone so that what God's been doing can come out. It means that there is something bigger than us at play, that there's something bigger than just my satisfaction, just my personal happiness, just my personal, you know, contentment. I am not from here. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. So my kingdom assignment has to be activated in this season, and it's bigger than me. We're moving through on his word, his ways, and my yes. And we talked about that briefly last week. His word, his ways, my yes. If I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, so I'm from somewhere else, which means I have a specific purpose then I need to do things not the world way, but his way. I need to know his word on it. I need to give him my yes. This is going to be a very specific calling. There's going to be something about my life that every day, if I'm still here, there is purpose for me to step out in. And I'm just telling you, the scales are so full. Your everyday matters. Your every conversation matters. The declarations you make over li your life matters. The way you spend your finances matter. The attitudes of the heart, the prayers that we offer, the, the way that we serve, the way that we love, it matters. It's always mattered, but sometimes there are times when there's something that is amplified in the spirit and it's just that final thing. Have you ever had the moment where you are just like on that final nerve and somebody hits it? And you're, you're like responding to them based on 57 other things. But they've, they've just said or done this one thing and they get the whole, the whole load of response, right? It's kind of like that, but in a good way. It's that thing where there, there is a 
fullness of what's happening in the spirit, things are weighty. Every law that gets passed that is unjust or immoral right now, it has big ramifications. Stuff is not just lightly sliding under the radar. It is big stuff that is happening. We've had some stuff that has happened in, in our nation um, over the years while the body of Christ was kind of slumbering and kind of internally focused, where things like euthanasia has become one of the top methods of death in our nation in the past year. Legally, why? How does that happen? We are in the time where every phrase in a law that gets written has great ramifications, great things that come out of it. It, it means that when our finances are, are hanging on the edge, you know, we, we all hear different times, you know, if you invest in this, the interest rate is this. It means that the, the weight of what you do on your financial decisions has a far greater outcome, good or bad, with, you know, which, which stock you buy or what you invest in when it's heightened like that. If you're on a low interest rate, you know, investments or selling or buying or whatever, yeah, you know, you, you gain a little or you lose a little or whatever. But when it's heightened like that, everything is a big deal. It's kind of what God is like leaning into and, and letting us know is happening right now. So we want to make sure that we are understanding his word. And we're just going to cover this a little bit um, to get into the divine dance here. But last week we talked about this. Your word, your way, my yes. Your word is the relational side of it. It is understanding that he is speaking. We already heard that again this morning. He is speaking. Am I listening? He has something to say, am I listening in for it? What is he saying to me? What am I hearing from him? What is it he wants to lead uh, into my life and, and pour through my life? Last week, we talked about walking with God and the, the definition of with is a participant in action, transaction, or arrangement. Used as a function word to indicate the object of attention, behavior, or feeling. Experiencing God is walking with God, which is being a participant in what he's doing. He becomes the object of my attention, my behavior, and my feelings. So it's like Mary, the verse we talked about is John 2, 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. It is important in order for us to hear what he says to you, that we're listening. Why, why are we so into fasting and praying? Because the clutter, the noise, the junk of life numbs out our senses sometimes. It numbs out our ability to hear. And taking time to step away, to crucify the flesh a bit, and to lean in for his voice gives us the ability to lay hold of what it is he's saying. We should be able to answer. When, when somebody asks us, what is God saying to you these days? There should be a response. Uh, it could be simple. It could be, you know, just, I'm just feeling his love. I'm feeling his, his heart for me. It could be an instruction. I'm really feeling challenged about my relationships, really feeling like he's wanting me to sow into, you know, my marriage a little bit more. I'm really feeling like God's wanting me to step out in this area, to be brave about this. I'm really, man, he's dealing with me about some forgiveness issues, you know, whatever. But what is God saying to you? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. First Samuel 3.10 is the story of uh, Samuel. You remember little... Little Samuel getting dropped off at the temple to serve God in that place. I can't even imagine Eli's perspective. You know, here's the old guy who's been in the temple forever and somebody drops off a three-year-old. 
He's here to serve God. Awesome. Where do we get chicken nuggets here? <laughs> How do we do this? But Samuel had to be taught everything. So he did all the little things in the house of God. He had little chores and he, he was ministering to God in his own way. And then comes the day that God begins to speak to him. And he doesn't even recognize the voice. And he runs into Eli and he's like, are, are you needing something? Is there something you need? And um, Eli's like, no, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. We had our grandbabies this week sleepover. I know that feeling. I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. <laughs> no, it's not morning. It's three o'clock in the morning. It's uh, time for you to go back to bed. So he just sends them back to bed a few times. And then finally, Eli's alert enough. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I think you are hearing something. And he tells me, instructs them to go back. And he says, if you hear it again, this is what I want you to say. And so Samuel does. It says, now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. The Lord came and stood and called as at other times. God's talking. Are we listening? There was a high probability that even before the three times that Samuel heard that's recorded, that God was calling him. And there was a nudge, but he didn't recognize the sound. And then he recognized a voice, but he didn't know who it was. And once he knew who it was and he heard, it came with instructions. And from that moment on, what had been a dead space in the nation of no prophetic voice was turned. And for the first time in years, there was a prophetic voice from God that started to be released into the nation. Some of us are like, well, I don't, I don't hear God that way. I don't hear instructions from God. When, when you hear Mary say, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Some of us are like, he doesn't tell me to do anything. This is a new season. It is a new season. We have to make sure that we're leaving what is behind us, behind us. And as of today, God, I am leaning in for your voice. I need to know your word. I need to know what it is you are saying. If in doubt, start here. You know, the word of God is the word of God. This is living. This is active. This is mighty. This is true. This is life-giving. If you want to know what he's saying, start here. Get into the word, preferably not like Leviticus or, you know, something like that. I would recommend John, Psalms, Proverbs, somewhere like that. But just get into the word. When we say God's not talking to me, did you open it today? Because the second I start on this page, he starts talking. That's how this goes. But we need to hear his voice. And there is something. Samuel was ordained as a prophet in God's eyes, but it didn't get activated until the day he said, wait a minute, I think I'm hearing something. Okay. Speak. Your servant is listening. Some of you have an inner nudge on the inside. There's just a, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I felt like that. I wish I heard that. I wish I saw that. I wish I had a, a gift of that. That desire is there because God has planted a seed in you and there will come a time when it comes to life. I believe that we are in one of those seasons of time where there is an activation that is happening when we submit to what God is saying and doing. So we need to know his word. Uh, Glenn Packiam says, our practices enshrine our priorities. And so if I am saying that God is a priority, I need to hear the voice of God, my practices will prove it or not. 
What that means, the word enshrined actually means to pr uh, preserve, protect, or respect. So our practices preserve, protect, and respect our priorities. So is my practice asking for the voice of God? Is my practice listening? If it's actually a priority for me to hear what God is saying, am I practicing that? Am I pursuing that? Is that what my actions are showing? There's a simple thing, you know, just spending two, three, four minutes a day just sitting in quiet and saying, God, speak to me. I'm here, whatever you got to say. And maybe you don't hear anything for the first 35 days, but keeping coming back, your practice enshrines your priorities. And so essentially what it looks like is our experiences will match our engagement. Our experience will match our engagement to the degree that we are willing, to the degree that we will pursue, to the, to the degree that we will crave, to the degree that we will go after. I can say, you know, like being super physically fit and being able to run a marathon, that's just a priority for me. That's a dream. Someday before I die, I want to run a marathon. How much did you run this week? I ran to the store and got some milk. I ran. <laughs> I didn't run at all. It's not a priority. It's a wish. Yeah. My priority will be enshrined by my practices. So this then is, leads us from his word to his way. When we begin to hear his voice, we need to do it his way. And that means that we have to be willing to change. His ways are often different than our ways. There are methods, there are, there are modes of operation that are different than how we are already doing it. If what we were doing worked, we would have the results we were looking for. God would be able to release to us what he wants to release, but there are his ways and they're different. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that there's a, you know, somebody had a prophetic word last week, just along with the word, but that um, Moses is dead. And so, you know, he asked, well, what is Moses then in my life? Which is a great follow-up question. If Moses is dead, and this was the word that God said to Joshua because it was time to move into the, the promised land. Moses is dead. Get up and get the people moving. So the question in my life, Moses, if Moses is dead, if in the new season Moses is dead, it means that the one season that we've been in is over and the new season has begun, what is it that can't come with me? What is it that's not part of the new way of doing life? What is it that's not part of the new season? What is a Moses for me? And Moses was obviously the friend of God. He was a good guy. His, he was loved by God. He fellowshiped with God. He had relationship with God. But he also represented a way of doing things. He represented a certain part of history. He represented a certain way of interacting with God. In the Moses days, for instance, there was manna and quail. In the Joshua days, it was harvesting. It was going out and growing and building and doing. In the Moses days, it was about getting rid of a slave mentality. In the Joshua days, it was about becoming a conqueror. There was a total shift. In, in the Moses days, it was somebody will give me something to bless me, to feed me, to take care of me. In the Joshua days, it was I will bless you to be a blessing. And they began to prosper and began to grow and develop and put down roots. In Moses' day, it was everything's temporary, everything's subject to change. I live in a tent. In Joshua's day, it was build houses, plant vineyards, actually inhabit the land. There's a difference. And so what is your Moses? It doesn't mean it wasn't precious but it's there. 
And now there's something new we're stepping into, which is his way for this time. It's the new season. Psalm 86, one says, teach me your way, Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So I am saying in this new season to myself, to my soul, I'm willing to change. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You can develop new ways of engaging, of living, of loving, of being. We can actually experience new things in God. I might have been saved, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever it is, but there's still something new in God to experience. There may be dormant gifts that have been waiting for this moment in time. I might be a brand new believer and, and God's calling me into something that feels way too big. Do you know God can accelerate the process a little bit? Our level of engagement determines our experience. And so that craving, that hunger, that pursuit, that desire that to go after him will require change. It will require something new. And so it will require, number three, my yes. And my yes is where we get into the specifics of what this dance looks like. My yes to God is going to be uncomfortable, for sure. Like, no question. Anybody already sensed as you've been praying into this year, like, I feel like God's nudging me into the uncomfortable zone? The rest of you haven't asked yet. Um, because would you rather be the kind of people who live in life and life abundantly? Would you rather be the kind of people who walk and wake up in the morning and say, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to release the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to minister to the brokenhearted. Or would you rather wake up and just say, man, the economy sucks. We're all going to die. It's just crappy. Just Jesus needs to come back or something. What do you want to be? If we want to be the light, if we want to walk in the light as he is in the light, if we want to carry the presence of God, we have to give him our yes. And our yes will require some changes. It's going to require some next level release. And this is the back and forth, the partnership, the divine dance. It's the thing where could God do stuff without us? Yes, but he doesn't. Could we do stuff without him? Nope. <laughs> Our only option of seeing the fulfillment of what God's intentions are on the earth is working with him, fulfilling the great commission, living in the light, being the city set on the hill, living in the saltiness that he's placed in us, being the voice of one who's calling out the truth into the places of lies, who's living the light in the places of darkness, who's ministering love and care and concern to the places of indifference. That's what God's calling us into. And it's going to be this divine partnership. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 gives us a hint at this God's part and man's part. And this is mind blowing to me. This little combination. We know the story. If we read Genesis 1, 2, 3, some people feel in their, I, I don't know, whatever. Sometimes men feel like we just get smarter as time goes on. But there's a, a whole group of people that feel like Genesis is just an allegory that sort of hints at the nature of God, but it's not actually truth. Just for the record, in this house, we believe it's a historical record. It's, this is, God said, in the beginning, he created, and we believe in the beginning, he created. So, um, 
coming from that place, that this is the history book, this is how it's laid down for us. Genesis 1, 27 and 28, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is speaking to man. And so we want to be clear that it is not have dominion over other people. That is the basis of slavery that is absolutely not okay. And so God is just saying he's built man in his image and it came with an assignment. The, the highlights of the words are, he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. These are not suck it up until Jesus comes back kind of words. These are like actually govern the earth kind of words. And so there is, um, you know, there's, there's dimensions in faith. There's, there's um, different denominations and streams that go heavy into, you know, the dominionism kind of thing that we are meant to rule everything and people and nations and all of this stuff. This is, this is not, I believe, what this is talking about. God is saying that we as people have an assignment to govern what he puts in our hands. And so we should be looking at when we come into our homes that God has given us this to steward and to increase and to multiply and be blessed, to fill the earth, to subdue it. When we go into our workplaces, the assignment of our lives, that we are there to be fruitful, to multiply, to increase. I'm not there to get a paycheck. I'm there to be a blessing. There's something fruitful in my life that's going to bless my employer. It's going to bless my coworkers. There's something that I get to not just be, you know, inundated with the fear of the world, but I come back with the love of God and perfect love drives out fear. So I, there's a thing that I have that's on the inside that's calling me to actually do something, to, to lead, to subdue, to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion. I am created, you are created to not be the underdog that sits there waiting for the scraps, but to actually rule the, the world that God's put in front of you, the, to lead, to, to, to govern, to be partners with God, to be his example on the earth. It, it is our responsibility to, to, you know, take care of our homes, to take care of our yards, to take care of our pets, the, the stuff that God puts in our hands. It's our responsibility and we are stewarding it well. But it goes on, and in Genesis 2, 4 to 5, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Let's just leave that up for a minute. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. In other words, before God spoke the earth into being and before there was a fullness of life, there was promise. There was seed, there was the ability, it was there, but it had not been called forth. It, it was hover, like, we know the spirit was hovering over the deep, waiting. There was, a, there was this waiting for something to happen, but nothing had grown yet for two reasons. One, the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth. And two, there was no man to till the ground. I want you to just meditate on this for a minute. This is, this is like the big meditation of my heart right now. How many of you are believing for something that is bigger than you can see happen right now? You're standing in faith for something, almost everybody. And um, 
This word is talking about the promise, the, the potential of what was there for the earth, but nothing was really being fruitful yet. Nothing was growing yet because God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. I believe that this is a spiritual principle. I believe that God has intentions and the rain is very specific in its symbolism. We know according to the word, rain symbolizes blessing. It symbolizes sustaining life. It symbolizes an outpouring from heaven. It is God's intended blessing. So particularly Old Testament, when we see rain, it is the blessing of God that comes. It is the ability to feed themselves came through the rain. So we know that rain is this blessing from heaven, this outpouring from heaven. It's what it is that he wants to pour out upon the earth. And many of us are waiting, 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 waiting for blessing to happen. God, just do something. God, just break through. We're looking for monumental breakthroughs in our workplaces. We're looking for monumental breakthroughs in our finances, in our homes, in our, in our um, government. We're looking for breakthrough. We're, we want your blessing on this. We want to see revival. We want to see a move of God. We want to see this, 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 this. But we are unwilling to find his word, his will, and give him our yes. In other words, there is not a man to till the ground. If God was to pour out the blessing, but nobody was able to steward it, it would become an overgrown mess that would not be fruitful. God won't waste the seed. And so he will wait to pour out the blessing until there is a person who is willing to steward it, until there is a man ready to tend the field. And what we need to understand here, some of you are like, what? Okay, just bear with me. Spirit of God, pour it out on us. There was not a man to till the earth. The word till is broken down to mean to work, to serve, to bring to order, and to service. To work, to serve, to bring to order, and to service. And in this particular um, verse, it's, it's translated as till. There was no man to till the ground. But just for your reference, that same word is translated as till, or tilled, or tilling, some form of till, 10 times in the Bible. It is translated as some form of to serve 233 times. It means that honestly, we, it is reasonable to say God did not, um, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to serve or to bring to life in the ground. The call that God is calling us to is a calling of service. To serve that which he assigns to us. To serve and to bring it to service. To, to serve the land and cause the land to serve. To serve in our businesses and cause the business to serve. To serve in our families and cause our families to serve. It is not just to till and maintain. It is to serve. So when we're saying, God, we want you to pour out your blessing. We want the refreshing from heaven. We want the outpouring, the anointing from heaven. God says, are you willing to serve the seed? Are you willing to serve that which you are asking for? Are you willing to serve that which you are praying for? Are you really willing to lay down your life and serve into that which I'm choosing to bless? And, and the fact that we even ask the question... God, you know, we want the, we want the blessing, we out the, want the outpouring, is because God has put the seed of craving on the inside of us in the first place. And this is the divine dance. He gives us the craving, we pray it, 
He presents the idea of the, the anointing, the offering, the blessing. He asks us to engage in the service. If we will serve, he will bless. There's a partnership that happens. And you know, it's the chicken and the egg, which comes first. It's both in this case. It is the rain from heaven and it is the man to till the ground. But both come from God in the first place. Both are his design. And so he's inviting us into this place where are we willing to till the ground that we're asking for? Are we willing to serve the ground that we're asking for? I'm, I mean, just take a moment to pause on this. You're asking for, God, I, I want my coworkers to come to know you. I'm asking for an outpouring from heaven. I'm asking for salvation. I'm asking for God to minister to them. Am I willing to serve that which I'm asking for? Am I willing to say, and when they do, I will be delighted to love them, to bless them, to disciple them, to walk with them, to help them through the mucky times, to get them into counseling, to care, to ministry, whatever it is, but I'm going to take responsibility for that which you entrust into my hands. God, I want you to bless my finances. I'm asking for the outpouring of heaven that we would see the increase. We are blessed to be a blessing. Okay, are you willing to till that soil, that seed? Are you willing to serve that seed? Because if God was to bless you right now, $500,000, would you know what to do with it? Are you willing to put it into service? Are you willing to allow that finance to be a blessing? Are you looking for the places and the opportunities where God could say, maybe I want you to give it all away. Maybe I want you to invest it in this place. Maybe it is for kingdom purposes. It's going to start this ministry. It's going to do this thing. Or would it just be, oh my goodness, I'm going to buy my dream house, buy my dream car. This is going to be the best thing ever. Thank you, God, for blessing it. Am I willing to till the seed? Are you with me? The, the things that we are praying for, God, I'm praying for this city. I'm asking you for an outpouring of your spirit in this city that you would impact the earth, that we would have a move of your spirit, that we would have a, a, a move of salvation across this city, that the places where there's violence and the places where there's heartbreak and depression and anxiety and upset, God, that you would heal that. And God says, okay, are you ready to till what you're asking for? Are you ready to serve in your city? Are you ready to be a blessing or are you just coming here to live here and to take? Are you ready to till? Are you ready to serve? Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? That the thing that God, God will bless when he's got somebody who is giving him a yes and a willingness to partner with him in the things that he's calling us to. It's the coolest thing. Isaiah 6, 8, there's this um, story. If you read Isaiah, everything prior to this, he's having this encounter in heaven and he's seeing what God is intending and what God is doing. And then he hears this voice and it says, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. Isaiah's having this encounter in heaven where he's hearing what God intends, but God is asking for where's the person that will do this dance with us? Where's the person that will give me the yes so that I can do what I intend to do? It's a partnership. C.S. Lewis said, in a civilization like ours, I feel that everyone has to come to terms with the claims of Jesus Christ upon his life or be guilty of inattention or evading the question. It's a lot to think about. In a civilization like ours, I feel that everyone has to come to terms with the claims of Jesus Christ upon his life. If I belong to Jesus, 
Does he have my yes? Am I willing to till the soil that he puts me in? Not just ask for a blessing, but am I willing to till it? Because together, something amazing happens. If not, we may be guilty of inattention or evading the question. I want to finish today with this bigger picture you know, because sometimes all we can see is us. We can see our family. We can see how things are affecting us. And we don't, we don't really understand that we're part of something so much bigger. You know, when we quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think sometimes we need to pause and just remember, like, that still exists. Like, Every person that you see in every business, in every hockey arena, on the streets, every bar, every restaurant, every person, God so loves every one of those people, every one of us people, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's so tempting to get into our own little box and just, how, how is this affecting me? How do I feel about it? How is, you know, what does this mean for my life? Doing it his way and listening for his voice guaranteed is gonna broaden your perspective outside of you. You're gonna feel his heart for people around you. You're gonna feel his heart for the broken and the lost and the hurting in whatever income bracket. Whatever race, whatever nationality, what, you know what? We're going to feel the heart of God and we're going to understand that he loves every person. And therefore, my yes becomes so much easier. It's why the path is there. God has intentions. There is promise in every person. Do you know every single person is born with promise? Knit together in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully made. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Plans for you to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Every single person has that promise. And the presence of Jesus will completely unlock that. But so often it requires somebody around us willing to say yes willing to be the person who's going to tend that seed for it to come to life. Somebody who's willing to take responsibility for the things that are around us. There's a story of Israel that's in the beginning of time, and it's before Israel became a nation to itself. God had spoken to Abraham in Genesis 15, 13, and he talks about, I'm going to, out of you, I'm going to create this great nation, a, a massive nation, and they will be a blessing, and everyone who blesses them will be blessed. There's going to be this, this outpouring that comes out of your life, and in the middle of what he's talking about and how he's explaining to Abraham the promise that he carries, he says in verse 13, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge. He talks to them talks about they're going to be in captivity for 400 years. And the nation that, um, that they serve, I will judge. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. So God's giving Mo or Abraham this big picture. Here's what's in your body. 
Out of your body will come a line of people, a nation, and they will be blessed. They're going to go into 400 years of captivity. That 400 years I already know about. And on the backside of it, when they come out, they will be prosperous. They will be blessed. There's a plan. And so 400 years goes on. And true to form, as, as God had prophesied it, um, Israel ends up in captivity. You know the story. Joseph was there. They end up in the land of Goshen. And then they end up in captivity and into slavery. And then it says in Exodus 2, verse 23, Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage. And their cry came up before God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. The people groaned. God heard them. And when it says he remembered their covenant, it doesn't mean that he had forgotten. It means he called it to the forefront. So the fullness of time had come. Interestingly enough, the people hadn't really groaned for any kind of a rescue up until now. At this point, something nudged them and there was a discomfort. There was a dismay. Their bondage was beginning to become a struggle for them. And the sound that they released activated the thing that God had already promised Abraham 400 years previous that it was going to happen. And so here's this encounter that's happening. The sound comes up. God hears it. He calls to the forefront what he had already agreed upon with uh, Abraham. And here we've got Moses then, who is this guy who's on the run from Egypt. You all know the story, I hope. Um, And he's out dealing with sheep in the wilderness. He's, you know, the the runaway son of Egypt. And it says in Exodus 3, 1 to 12, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So prior to this, people are in captivity, 400 years, just like God said it would be, They raised a cry. They decided they can't live like this anymore. They need a rescue plan. God calls it to mind and goes, okay, this is the thing that I talked about with Abraham. Moses in the back uh, side of the desert, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So here comes this move from God, this, this vision from God, this thing that's happening. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Okay, so walk with me here. Abraham has the encounter with God. God prophesies over him. This is what's going to happen in your seed, in your family. This is who they're going to be. They are going to end up in captivity. It serves a purpose. When they come out, they are going to be prosperous and blessed. Big picture. Some of us have heard big picture prophecies over our nation and went, clearly it's not happening. We read Revelation and we're like, um, all I want is the out part. Just the... I just want to go. There are big picture plans in God's mind. There are timelines that are outside of our timelines. You understand? So what happens is Moses hits this moment in time. He was specifically born into this moment in time to have this experience with God. 
It was triggered when the people of God got frustrated enough in their discomfort and their bondage to cry out to God. God calls to the forefront the promise that he'd made to Abraham. He shows up to Moses. Moses says, I will turn aside. You understand? See here, the people move, the God move. The people move, the God move. So Moses says, I will turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look... That bush could have been burning for 35 years and nobody had a look at it. But when God saw that Moses had turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here, am, here I am. So this, come, this back and forth, God nudges, the people respond. God nudges, the people respond. God does something, the people respond. There's this back and forth, there's this divine dance of God is about to release something in fullness. I'm telling you this morning, the frustration that you feel on the inside and the somebody's gotta do something is a holy discomfort that God has placed in you so you will cry out to God, you will hear his voice, you will get his instructions and you will give him your yes. That is what this time is about. If you have been feeling uncomfortable, it is about this. And God is waiting to see, will you turn aside? Will you turn aside to come and see? Will you turn aside to come and ask? Are you ready to till the land? Because I am ready with the rain if there is a man ready to till the soil. I am ready to pour out the blessing from heaven if there is a person willing to steward it. I am ready to rain down from heaven if there is a people who is ready to till the ground, to serve, to minister, to live a life that is selfless, that is honoring me, that is pouring out for my purposes and not your own. God is waiting to see, will we turn aside? side. And when he turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Down to verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God knew what was going on. But there was a fullness of time moment that required somebody to say yes to God. There was a fullness of time moment that required a crying out to God and not just a crying out to their government. There was a fullness of time that required God is our only hope. Best hope there ever could be. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them. Verse 10, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I have come down and I will send you that you may bring my people out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, um, and that I should bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you. We're waiting for God to do something. And God is waiting for some people to do the divine dance with The invitation, I will send you, I'll be with you. You're gonna do this, we're gonna do it together. This is the plan, I've heard the cry, I've been waiting for the cry. Why would God wait for their cry to rise up? If you're not uncomfortable, you're not willing to change. Generally speaking, that is like the basis for any major life change is when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of staying the same, you'll change. 
God will sometimes allow us to get squeezed enough that we will cry out to him so he can move and we can give him a yes and there can be a divine partnership. Psalm 105 verse 37 to 38 talks about what happened when they came out. Remember, um, I talked about in the beginning, Genesis 15, 13, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Psalm 105 is the tale after the story. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribe. This is how God operates. God says at the beginning, before anything got bad, my plan is to deliver a group of people into freedom and blessing and abundance. My plan is to cause your people, your seed, to live in the fullness of my hand upon their lives, that I will be their God. They will be my people. We will walk together. We will, we will uh, be in this fellowship, in this relationship together. And it took time. It took the divine dance. It took the relationship. It took the yes, Lord. It took, what are you saying? It took turning aside. It took crying out. As we go into this new year, just in summary, I believe the balances are weighing heavy and every little thing matters. What, is, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? Well, for some, it is going to be something big. You actually have something on your heart that you know God has called you to do. It's like Pastor George said about the Lazarus. You know it, but it's like, oh, I don't know. It's time to step out. For some, it is as simple as, are you willing to be the one who tills? There was not a person to till the ground. What might that mean? Committing to daily pray for somebody? Committing to daily pray for our government officials? Com com committing to daily intercede for your neighbor? Committing to, uh, to tithe, to commit your finances to God? Committing to living in a, in a wholesome relationship? getting things right before God. It could mean that you're, you're dealing with offenses. It could mean dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness. It could be dealing with anger. It could be choosing, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to sow into this area. Whatever the thing is, it's giving God the yes. And like, Lord, what I'm believing you to do, I am willing to tend it. I am willing to lay down the flesh and tend this thing that I'm asking for your outpouring on. It means I'm going to choose to actually engage and ask for his word. What is he saying? I'm going to choose to receive his way, even if it's uncomfortable, which it will be. Even if it feels like not normal, not natural to you, but God is telling you to do something, it's doing it. It's choosing to do it. And it's giving God your yes. It's choosing to turn aside and say, yes, God. I am your person for this day. I am your person in this hour. I believe this is a fullness of time and I'm completely yours. I believe that because the weight on these things is so heavy right now, the fruit is going to be big. I believe the breakthroughs will be huge. I believe it's going to feel intense because it is. I believe it's gonna feel like it has some weight and some oomph behind it because it does. But I believe we are about to see a move of God that will rival anything that we've seen before. But it takes a man who will till the earth and partner with what God wants to do in the divine dance. So I'm going to have the worship team come. Yeah. Praise God. 
Praise God. There's some good stuff ahead of us tonight as we come together for pursuit. We want to pray into this. Whatever God's got for us, we want to seek his voice. We want to hear his instructions and we want to give him our yes. And so I really want to encourage you, if you're not a normal pursuit goer, um, this would be an optimal time to deal with the flesh and choose to be two hours in the presence of God and just come pursue him, crave him. Let's stand together this morning and we're going to sing our, sing our declaration into this, what we'd sang earlier this morning as well. But I want to encourage you, stir your faith up to believe. The promise in the earth that was waiting for the reign of God came forth. The promise that is in you that is waiting will come forth. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. You might have been wondering why, 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 why? But God's track record proves his character. And when we see, even with the children of Israel, the first big outpouring of what his character looked like long-term, what he said he would do from the beginning, he did. He is true to his word. He does not fail. He does not lie. And so God, I pray over this house today and every person watching online, God, we thank you for your times and your seasons. We thank you for the divine dance that you've invited us into, Lord, where there's a your part and our part and a your part and an our part, and you want to do life with us, God. I thank you, Lord, for the example that we see from the very beginning of the book, God, where we see that you were, you were um, waiting for that moment where there was the fullness of your creation including the person who you designed to till the earth. And Lord, we thank you for the very end of the book where Jesus receives his bride and there's the coming together again, the fullness of that divine dance. And Lord, we thank you for the middle that we're in right now. God, we thank you that we get to do life with you. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to crucify the flesh, that we would choose you. God, that we would lean in to engage your voice, that we would lean in for your counsel and your guidance, Lord, that we would hear what you have to say, that we would choose your ways, that we would recognize where we're from, God. We're in the world, but we're not of it we're from you and we live for you and God I pray that you would help us give a full hearted yes Lord that we would experience you in brand new ways I thank you for the shackles of the past being broken off in Jesus name I thank you for old methods and old ways and old mindsets being severed off in Jesus name and Lord today we thank you and declare a new day and a new season in you Lord we thank you that there is freshness of life God and I thank you for a people that will rise up and take responsibility for that which we pray for. God, that we would be ready to serve that which you bless, that we would be ready to live a life of service before our King, that we would honor you in all that we say and all that we do. And Lord, we look forward to what it is you have planned in this fullness of time moment. We give you the praise today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. 
Reach, teach, mobilize.